game going. He geeks, shoots, and Wolf makes a phenomenal right pad save, and that'll do it. Andrew Mangiapane scores the only goal of the shootout. Dustin Wolf, three for three, stopping the Jets. And the Flames improved to 3-1-0 to start the preseason with a 3-2 shootout win in Winnipeg. All right, we like that. Nice way to end what was an up-and-down day on Wednesday for the Calgary Flames. You heard it right there from Derek Wills. Dustin Wolf shuts the door on the Winnipeg Jets in OT and the shootout. Helping the Flames pick up their third victory of the preseason. Welcome to Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Lots of reaction to last night's game coming up. We'll also hear from Dustin Wolf following that big win in the shootout. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska. Adnan Virk joins us on a Thursday. Don't want to miss that. We'll chat with Adnan coming up a little bit later on this hour. And still to come, Matty Rose has your stamps report on a Thursday. And we'll check in at Winsport on this Thursday edition of the program as Flames training camp continued ahead of their next preseason game Friday at home to the Edmonton Oilers. Kevin Taylor, my outstanding producers in the other room. Quick reminder, the fan feedback line is always open to you here at Sportsnet today. Shoot us a text at 960-960 if you want to chime in on any of the topics that we're talking about today. Flames, training camp, camp battles, anything that uh, you want to pass along. Again, the fan feedback line open to you at 960-960. And speaking of Taylor, we'll get her Kevin Biggio predictions. Coming up a little bit later on, following another Jays loss to Garrett Cole and the Yankees. But we'll head back to Winnipeg first. Jets and Flames. Calgary comes out on top. 3-2 in the shootout. Other Flames goal scorers, Dryden Hunt and Connor Zero. It's flashing back to last night. Uh, Dryden Hunt making himself quite the case for perhaps uh, a longer look at training camp and maybe even uh, a roster spot on this Calgary team thanks to a Jacob Pelcher injury. Here's Dryden Hunt's goal from last night in Winnipeg. Puck gets dropped by Uyghur. Zadorov spins in and shoots. And that shot deflects off a body and wide of Hellebuck's net. It hops right out in front, though. And here's Hunt with it, dropping. And now Uyghur with a shot. Bouncing puck. They score! It looked like Dryden Hunt was the last flame to touch it. And with just 21.5 seconds to play in the first period, the Flames have tied the game at one. Dryden Hunt has made quite the case for himself here early on in Flames training camp, not only to stick around a little bit longer, but I've seen some people start to pencil him into early Flames lineups for Wednesday, October 11th, when the Flames kick off the regular season against the Winnipeg Jets. Just a really good mix of... Some goal-scoring ability that he's shown in the preseason. I like the motor. I like the physicality. The guy that's clearly come in under the messaging of Craig Conroy and Ryan Husky about young guys being given an opportunity. And so far, in my mind, along with a guy like Adam Klapka, has made a really interesting case 
for at least, I would say, at a minimum, he's proven now to be here for an extended period of time with the Calgary Flames during training camp. But maybe even if it continues, like I've said, some people have, have suited him up for some regular season action for the Calgary Flames. We'll see what Dryden Hunt continues to do. Remember, he was acquired from the Toronto Maple Leafs for Redeem Sahorna last year. Played the entire uh, portion of his Calgary career with the Wranglers. Had 15 points in 17 games. Was a good contributor during the playoffs as well with six points in nine games for the Wranglers. So there's a scoring touch for Dryden Hunt. He's got some NHL experience over the years with the Avs, the Rangers, Coyotes, Panthers. So it wouldn't be unusual for the 27-year-old to get into an NHL lineup. But we'll see. He's never been able to do it on a consistent basis. Maybe that changes for the Cranbrook native. He's made a really good impression uh, so far in training camp. And speaking of good impressions in training camp, it's been another solid outing for Connor Zary. He also lit the lamp last night in Winnipeg. Back to the right point. Here's Zidorov. Far circle. Connor Zary shoots and scores. What a goal by Connor Zary. A toe drag, and then he rips it off the goal posted in, and the Flames tie the game at two. Connor Zary, nice shot. Puts it home. He's another one set of really strong training camp and a guy that a lot of people focusing on as far as young guys go, and it could be time for him to make a jump up from the Calgary Wranglers. He's played two years pro. Already one year in Stockton, one year in Calgary. Had 58 points last year in 72 games for the Calgary Wranglers. And sure looks like the coaching staff giving him an opportunity to, you know, perhaps be a fourth-line center when it's all said and done for the Calgary Flames. I thought Connor Zary was another guy that stood out last night. 22 years old from Saskatoon, the 2020 NHL draft pick in the uh, 24th overall by the Flames. you remember that year. They traded down a couple of times. Uh, including with the Washington Capitals, picked up some extra draft capital, and we're still able to get Connor Zary. So we'll see how Zary does. Um, Klapka had a good game last night, had a couple of fights as well, showing off that physical side that we've talked about with him for uh, a while now. So a uh, good game in Winnipeg. Flames again continue the preseason uh, for game number six of eight. They're going up against the Edmonton Oilers on Friday for a little preseason edition of the Battle of Alberta. How did the head coach see last night's game in Winnipeg? Let's flash you back. Here's Ryan Huska speaking to the media in Winnipeg following the Flames shootout win against the Jets. Coach, just uh, start with kind of your, your initial impressions of uh, kind of a game that went had some ebbs and flows too. Yeah, it sure did tonight. I mean, I, I thought uh, the first few shifts, I was a little bit unsure of what we were going to get. I don't think we looked very good. But after, the, after that, I liked the way we worked tonight. I thought our work ethic was good. Um, the shifts that we bent in our own zone, we didn't break, which is a nice thing, and we found a way to get the job done. All right, obviously some you know penalties and uh, five-on-three opportunity for them yeah. that leads to their second goal. But what did you like about the response? Uh, well, it's, they stayed with it. You know, I, I go back to this was a, a kind of more of a working game for us, I would say, and um, this is a notoriously heavy, bigger team, and I thought some of our younger players fared pretty well today. How about, um, you know, I thought on, I'm, Dustin Wolf didn't have a ton of shots, but yeah. there was a few breakaways and, you know, a couple late oh, there too. He made the big one at the end. I mean, that was uh, one of those saves that um, don't, goalies don't often make, but that one he found a way to make it. So he made some key saves for us when he needed to tonight for sure. just wanted to, you to weigh in on what, uh, what happened with Chris Snow where 
leaves this organization in his heart tonight? Well, it, 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 you know, I, I think Craig talked about it this afternoon. I mean, everybody's, I think it's a tough day for sure for everybody. And, and really all the, our, all of our thoughts are, are with the Snow family. I mean, Kelsey Cohen and Willa, it's, it's a tough one. Also, just the Michael Backlund signing, just how quickly that situation turned around. What do you think it says about what he felt when he landed in Calgary and got back into this culture that sounds like it's changing under you and your coaching staff? Um, you know, I, Mike is, uh, Michael's uh, the type of guy that has a huge heart. Um, and I think when he came back, he, he, you know, he, he sees how much the, the city of Calgary um, meant to him and I think um, he felt that from the people around he felt that from this organization and I think when he him and his wife you know had a real um, deep look into things this is where they wanted to be so we're we're thrilled that he was able to come to terms and is going to be around for much longer and I think with him wearing the the C now um, he's going to be the perfect guy for our room in regards to being the players guy but he's also the coaches guy too so um, we're really happy that they're they're staying around speaking of the coaches guy what would you say to the people who think you've played a big role in in kind of that situation um i i I was lucky enough as a younger coach to have michael for half a year um so i had a little bit of time with him when he was a younger guy so uh, i don't think it had a lot to do with me i think it's more about his teammates and the work that craig was able to do to get this this deal done there you go. Head coach Ryan Huska speaking to the media following last night's win in Winnipeg. We'll check in with the head coach a little bit later as training camp continued on this Thursday at Winsport ahead of their game Friday against the Edmonton Oilers. 19 saves on 21 shots for Dustin Wolf, bouncing back after a subpar performance on Monday in his first preseason action against the Seattle Crack. And he felt a lot better about himself, had a nice finishing save in the shootout, nice little selly that's made its way around social media as well. He spoke to the media following his first win of the preseason in Winnipeg. Well, did you start by, uh, you know, to feel, uh, to close that one out? How did that one uh, feel? Come back and obviously shut the door down. That's right. Yeah, I think I felt uh, like a hockey player again tonight. Um, it was kind of a little iffy on Monday, and obviously you're super happy to be able to get back in the net. hurt you so soon, and, um, you know, just show them that, you know, that's all I can play. Well, obviously the five on three, uh, you know, boys were kind of laying out there for uh, for a big stretch of that. But then to see them respond and, and get one back on the power play, what did that uh, what did that do for you in the crease and kind of let you carry the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean our kill was fantastic tonight. Um, I don't know. I think we had like twenty or thirty blocks throughout the game, and um, you know when guys are sacrificing their body in front of me like that, it makes my job really easy. So um, obviously super super thankful for them, and it was it was good to get that power play goal and. Uh, of the win. How eager were you to, you know, the challenge to play against an experienced team with a lot of, you know, high-powered offensive players tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, a good test for sure. Um, a tough travel day and just to be able to come in here and uh, stay sharp, you know, through two periods where I didn't see a lot of action and um, just try to keep myself in it and give my team a chance and, um, you know, be able to score one in the shootout. So, it's a big confidence boost in the midst of what is obviously you know a tough training camp trying to win a spot on our team with our two goalies yeah i mean each and every day i'm trying to come in and push the boundaries and um you know just kind of show them what what uh what i can do and just kind of go from there and just take it one day at a time scorpion save at the end uh nice little finish to the uh shootout 
Yeah, it was fun. I uh, I enjoy shootouts quite a bit, and um, you know I haven't made a save like that before, and obviously uh, you know thankful we got the win. Dustin Wolf, nineteen saves in the game, and of course three in the shootout. You heard him there, the Scorpion save to finish it off. Great Selly afterwards as well as he picked up the win for the Calgary Flames. Mentioned Connor Zeri as well a little bit earlier. He had a goal, the tying goal in this game, tied up at two. He played just over 15 minutes, struggled a bit in the faceoff dot, going 37.5%, but has made a strong impression in training camp so far. He uh, talked to the media following his performance in Winnipeg as well. To start uh, being able to pull one out here, you know, obviously trailing at one point there, but to, to fight your way back in, how did, uh, how did it feel tonight? Yeah, it was good, I think. Right from the start, they took to us a little bit. Then we got our feet under us. It's it's always tough kind of coming in on a plane right before a game. But I think after the first five minutes, we got our game under us, played with a little bit of pace, and, and we kept that up pretty well throughout the whole game. And and I think we kept getting the puck to the net and, and kept trying to play our game. And, and at the end of the day, it worked out. Uh, I know Bench was loving a lot of what they saw in that five-on-three, a couple blocks. They end up getting it. But, you know, for you guys to go back and get one back on the power play, what did that mean to the group? Yeah, it was huge. I think even though they scored on that five-on-three, you could see the momentum it built on the bench just watching guys eat pucks. I think Soliot blocked like four shots right there, just just taking them, no limp, no nothing. So I think when you see ballsy plays like that, it just gets you a little bit of confidence. I know they put one in, but we weren't too, uh, too ashamed of that and, and uh, just built off that, and we got our chance on the power play to take it right down back on them. What's it say about your game right now to kind of step into the middle like that and make a play and finish it? Yeah, it feels good. Uh, I, I like that play. It's it's always nice when that guy goes down one knee and you have the ability to, to pull it in and, and get that lane. And and uh, I think that helps build confidence going throughout camp when you can get on the score sheet. And obviously wins, wins are nice and it keeps the vibe up and, and keeps the confidence up. So I think keep on that train. Obviously, you know, going to camp, there was jobs up for grabs. Now with Pelche out, uh, there's another spot up for grabs. Is that serving as the extra bit of motivation for yourself and, and other young players that are right on the cusp of making the team? Yeah, I think you, you take that into consideration and, and, and other spots open and guys are going to be fighting every day and and uh, you hate to kind of think that way with, with Pelts going down and, and he, he's been one of my best friends for the last few years ever since we, we started playing Stockton together and, and you kind of hate to see that and it kind of makes you wince and, and almost shed a tear when you see a guy like that going to boards that you, uh, you're so close with. So um, I think just more thinking about him and, and how he's doing over trying to take his job and right from the start. For sure. I mean, this year compared to last year, do you think that there's... Uh, you know, much more palpable sort of push on the depth charting competition internally? For sure. I think there's there's a lot more opportunities. Just You can see just in, in the games that guys are getting more chances to, to play in different situations and and that we've had pretty, pretty split rosters throughout camp. And, and that's I think that's good, healthy competition for everyone, even even the older guys that are already on the team and, and obviously cemented. And, and to see those younger guys push them, it takes their game to the next level sometimes too. What did you think of the way your goaltender played? Uh, Overtime shootout, he handled himself pretty well. I yeah, uh, Wolfie's Wolfie's. He's, he's always been a stud. Uh, he always makes those big timely saves, especially that one in the shootout with the Scorpion, and and uh, and that celebration was pretty good itself. Connor's area goal last night in the Flames win over the Winnipeg Jets. He'll have to continue what's been a strong training camp for the 2020 first round pick of the Calgary Flames. We'll dive more into the Flames training camp uh, as it continued today at Winsport. A little bit later on, we'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska, Rasmus Anderson, uh, among others, and especially a special day for most of them, hearing from them for the first time since Michael Backlund was named as the 21st captain in franchise history. Some more Flames audio coming your way in our number two. Other NHL news to pass your way. Uh, Kevin Weeks of ESPN, the force to report this. 
Uh, really disappointing news for uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning today. Andre Vasilevsky underwent successful back surgery. Uh, he's going to need about eight to ten weeks for a full recovery. Um, that's not good. So it's about the first two months plus of the regular season. And uh, it sounds like they were dealing with issues early in August. Had a couple of injections to treat it. Didn't uh, didn't help him once training camp started. So they went straight to surgery now to try to uh, fix what's ailing him. Uh, Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic reporting that everything on the table for Tampa Bay when it goes to looking for a goaltender help. But uh, they're one of the teams tight up against the salary cap right now. Um, I believe they're going to in, jump into LTIR again this season with Brent Seabrook's contract still on the books. Uh, Jonas Johansson, 28-year-old goaltender, is the current backup listed for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's got 35 games uh, of NHL experience with the Panthers, Sabres, and Colorado Avalanche. But certainly not the uh, ideal news for the Tampa Bay Lightning as they enter this season without Andre Vasilevsky. And today uh, was the first day of NHL waivers. Uh, Avs, Penguins, and Canucks uh, using the waiver wire today, including former first overall pick of the WHL, Ty Smith, placed on waivers by the Penguins. Uh, Canucks putting goaltender Spencer Martin on waivers as well. Of course, they acquired Casey DeSmith uh, just a few weeks ago to serve as the backup in Vancouver to Thatcher Demko. So some waiver wire action to watch for now daily as we go forward in the uh, NHL world. Again, we'll jump in with the Flames a little bit later on today. Don't want to miss it. Uh, later on, we've got a stamps report with Maddie Rose. Taylor's got her Kevin Biggio predictions coming up. We'll take a look at Thursday night football as well. Week four of the NFL season kicks off tonight with the Packers and the Detroit Lions. And coming up around the corner, Adnan Verk's going to join us. Our pal from MLB Network, NHL Network, the Cinephile Podcast. He's going to join us next I have to ask Adnan about this weird situation in Philly. It almost has nothing, it really doesn't have anything to do uh, with the actual baseball on the field. But uh, a patron at a Phillies game looking to enter the game with his emotional support animal. It wasn't a dog or a cat or a bird. It was an alligator named Wally Gator who was denied entrance to watch the Phillies host the Pittsburgh Pirates. Apparently, Wally Gator, a prolific presence on TikTok and Instagram, wasn't allowed in to watch with his owner, who apparently Wally Gator helps him battle depression and likes to give hugs. So we'll ask Adnan Verk what his emotional support animal would be. Uh, Taylor, you were talking about this. We were trying to get ready for the show, and you were saying that your emotional, you would go with like a bear as your emotional support animal. No, I just I just want to hug a bear. You just want to hug a bear. That's like all. To, I would like to hug a bear. Wow. Maybe have a little little cuddle, but just hug a bear. I think you could do that. Could you do it and survive? There are some that like some people who have bears as pets. Trained so, bears. I don't exactly. believe it. There's no way. So not like the just, bear in like semi pro, right? Like that's a different. I can just go <laughs> to somebody's house who has a bear. And of I can all cuddle people that bear. Who have a pet bear. There are bear dozens, sanctuaries. Dozens of them, really. There are bear sanctuaries. Yeah, but does a bear sanctuary let you in and like hug a bear? I don't know that they do that. They will for TikTok content. <laughs> and Cam, if, if you, I ask nicely. Cam, if you had to have a non traditional support animal, 
Yeah. Like Wally Gator, what would yours be? I mean, my first pick is always the Capybara because it's just a big rodent and it's like, what, two and a half, three foot tall, a hundred pounds. You tell me that would be the perfect thing to like. You couldn't really have like, I couldn't really hug you though. You lay down on your back, you put your head up against this giant Capybara that's basically your pillow and then you like give it a scratch, hmm. chills you out. That would be my pick. Okay, we know you want to hug a bear, but if you had to have a non-traditional support animal, what would it be? A sloth. A sloth. Or a koala. Maybe a panda. Something about you and bears. They're, they're fluffy. You bears. They're fluffy, and they are friend-shaped. What does Dangerous. that mean? You say Dangerous. that again. You say that all the time, and I don't understand it. Friend-shaped. What does that mean? They're just shaped like a friend. You, I don't get it. You can't tell me that you wouldn't want... They're, they look like a stuffed animal. Yeah, but they're bears. But they there's teddy bears, there's stuffed bears, there's build-a-bear. Yeah, so just they're get a build-a-bear. That one won't kill you. But it's not big enough. I'm sure you could get a large enough one. It also does not have... It does not provide the warmth that I would need. I'm a very cold human being, and I think that a bear would just keep me warm. But are we on board like the Phillies did the right thing here and didn't let the alligator in? I mean, I'm sure there's a place that this guy could have watched the game with Wally that was away from the rest of the crowd. Because I get it. It's a safety thing. You can't just have an alligator in the stands. With, you know, 20,000 people. Doesn't Tampa Bay, I know they have like a touch tank for stingrays. And there's another stadium, I can't remember which one, that has a hot tub out in uh, one of like center field. Just just throw them in there. And I think that yeah, would see, work. I don't think that this, I, like, I think this is a a safety thing. Yeah. Like what, if Wally gets off of his leash and harness... It's pandemonium. He's going to eat a small child. Well, you have to think. And this like guy some goes, kid's going to walk up to He's never it. bitten anyone. Okay, well, the first time he bites someone, it's the last time he bites someone. So like around, I think they did the right thing here. If you're like, I get it. If if this is your support animal and that's what you need to, to do what you got to do, all right. But it, this is an alligator we're talking about. It's a little unpredictable. You put a three-year-old kid who's going to his first ball game. And he sees an alligator and he says, I'm yeah, going to go touch yeah, this exactly. alligator. What, if, don't, I what if little Joey's walking around with a hot dog but they, they and <laughs> Wally goes, I'd really like a hot dog because I'm an alligator, you know, and all of a sudden Joey's Joey's arm is gone. But don't they like <laughs> tape their mouth shut or something like that? They used to do that on the, the TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> were they if the they TV need, shows where they kill them from, because no, they're the alligators? Zoo, Is that the, the one? Zoo, the zoo shows when they need to uh, do something for the alligators, like medical attention, they have to tape their mouth shut. From every image I can find of Wally, he does not have yeah. any tape, mm -hmm. any covering on his mouth. He yeah. wears a harness and he has a, a leash with his name on it, but nothing to prevent him from biting. That's a problem. Yeah, you can't. That's a no-no. You can't. I don't know. Is there a way? Maybe. But just, nah. I get why 
they did they like, don't deny him i'm not i'm not going off the philly inquirer that's trying to make this a a saw the the big bad phillies didn't let this guy in with a gator don't <laughs> no it's, it's an I alligator believe it they didn't let him in with an alligator well, he helps with my depression well I, that's good but you just might have to watch the game at home if you were I'm just saying. Okay, just... looking at the photos, he's not like ginormous. It is a quite small alligator. But still do damage. The bite damage. Again, we're talking about little Johnny. It's unpredictable. First game. He's like, little Johnny goes up to his mom and he's like, Mom, I want to go to, was it a Rays game? No, it was a Phillies a game. A Phillies game, excuse me. And he's like, all right, for your birthday, thank you to the Phillies game. And he shows up. And there's an alligator there. And he's like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. Like I said, I want to touch this alligator, but first let's get our hot dog. He's Joey cuddling his, with his this alligator. There's a photo, and he's just cuddling with this alligator. And then little little Joey leaves yeah, but let's his be honest, if, if he was gone, Wally would eat him. Okay? Yeah, there's no question. Like At, at one point in, in future, Wally's going to get a taste for blood. Yeah. Okay? You can't. It's it's fun that they're hugging now, but you, you catch Wally on an off day and people are going to be maimed. And I don't think the Phillies can take that risk. I'm okay with this. No, absolutely. <laughs> like that, the lion, I forget his name, that killed its trainers after like being totally peaceful for 15 years. Good. It's an accident waiting to happen. I'm sorry. No, we've we've I think we've drawn the line of emotional support animals. We'll see what Virk thinks. He's been to a lot of ballparks. Would he be okay with a an emotional support alligator walking around? We'll, actually, we'll also ask him actual baseball questions too, but we'll start with the alligator thing. Adnan Virk, MLB Network, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. He's our Thursday regular. He's next on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Sportsnet today rolling on hour one. From the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. More Flames talk coming your way a little bit later on. We'll check in from Winsport where Flames training camp continued on this Thursday. Getting set for some preseason action Friday. A little battle of Alberta at the Scotiabank Sandalum against the Edmonton Oilers. But it's Thursday. It's time to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Check in with our pal from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Great, as always, to chat with Adnan Verk. Verk, how are you, pal? I'm good, Logo. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. We're uh, coming down the stretch here in baseball. Hockey's ramping back up. It's a good time to be a sports fan, man. Oh, it's the best, man. You know, people point out April. I say April's pretty good. Hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs, baseball starting, but no football. I think October's the best one because you get baseball playoffs, football, hockey starting, as you said, and now you get basketball starting in the October, which I'm not crazy about. Gosh, I wish they could have kind of pushed it to November, but you get the sports equinox, right? There's, there's like always a day in October. All four major sports are playing, so it's uh, it's awesome, man. I love it. we got to start this conversation off by going back to a conversation we finished last segment on. Uh, me and my producers were talking about this. The Phillies denied a fan with his emotional support animal an alligator named Wally Gator from coming to the game against the Pirates. I'm personally okay with this. I get people have needs, and it's. I'm glad that he gets along with Wally Gator fine. I don't want to see an alligator at a baseball game. And second of all, if you had to have an emotional support animal, a non-traditional one, Verk, 
Where do you think you would go? So first thing, just to be clear, I, this is the actual animal. It's not because, you know, I have kids, they have stuffed pets. This is the actual gator that you want to bring to the game. Is that correct? Yes, he has a leash for it, uh, a harness. Wow. Apparently it's very well, big on TikTok, and it's named Wally yeah, Gator. No. no, this is bad for business. If it's a stuffed pet, I totally get that. We all got sensory needs, that kind of thing. But an actual live animal, no bueno. And this is the thing. Larry David had a great line. He said, you know, people either love kids or they love animals, right? And I obviously am a baby lover, right? I got four kids. Yep. Obviously, I love kids. I'm not as crazy about the animals. But, listen, I respect it. I, I, I have great appreciation for people who are dog lovers because they always have big hearts. Like, I mean, there's a great line Michael Lombardi once said. He said something like, if, if the kindest souls live the longest, then dogs would live the longest. I mean, like, who doesn't like a dog? They're all they're good dogs. I just myself am not a dog person. Larry David's point was, though, most people either love animals or babies, and he's exception. He loves neither. So <laughs> with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, um, I guess if you could combine the two, I like guess someone said to me, hey, here's this really cute three-year-old kid. I'm like, yeah, and like, this is his little gator. I'm like, okay, like, I guess we're combining that. Like, listen, I love kids. So I'm like, well, if, this, if the gator is cute and cuddly, fine. But again, at the other day, it's still an alligator. Like, it's, it's an alligator. It's not a stuffed pet. So... I, I can't get behind animals, man. The only thing I can do, bark at the park I'm in on. Because every time I can use my line, which you know, dog day afternoon, shout out to Pacino, Sidney Lumet. <laughs> Other than that, like, I mean, I couldn't imagine like a bunch of cats at a game. Like, are you kidding? There's no way. They're just purring away, being stroked. They're running around. Like, no, come on. This, this is a sporting event. Can't do it. You know, I try to rep Philly as much as possible, but I can't get behind this one. Yeah, just just not our thing. You know, Cam and Taylor said, like, there's different support animals. I get that, but... I, I was saying this too. Is you know what happens when little Joey walks by with a hot dog, and Wally Gator's never seen a hot dog in his life, and decides that yeah. he wants the hot dog. He's going to get the hot dog, right? I mean, there's no if this thing gets off yeah. a leash, and we're talking about a national incident here. Oh yeah, even the most well-trained animal is still an animal. Go ask Siegfried and Roy what happened to those guys. Okay. <laughs> 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 they think they're lying tamers. We got this. Under, no, you do not have it under control, okay? When the big cat wants to get after it, he will do so. That's why he's an animal. Yeah. <laughs> I always I always go back to that, uh, the animal show, with the, I think it was semi-pro with Will Ferrell. He's trying to attract yes. friends, and he, he brings in the uh, the bear to wrestle. No, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> a wrestling bear. Yeah. So funny. Smacks it around a little bit, and then it... Uh, it changes his mind, and everybody starts running and panicking. It's just a, a classic Will Ferrell moment there. So good. So good. I mean, the thing about Will Ferrell is that he is a genuine sports fan. That's why his movies work. Like, for a certain era, Kevin Costner was the big sports movie guy because he's always doing baseball movies, Tin Cup as well. But, like, Will Ferrell, legit huge fan, part owner of uh, LAFC, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, he, yes. he dabbles in the basketball, soccer, and, of course, Talladega Nights. Who doesn't love a good auto racing movie with him and John C. Riley? Yeah. Uh, under some baseball things as we get close to the end of the season here, Adnan. Uh, what a season it's been. We haven't talked about this guy much, but it feels like about time we do. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., first player in MLB history with 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases. What a season it's been for this guy in Atlanta. He's been incredible. And, you know, I like my swag, which is why Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of my favorites, but so is Ronald Acuna. He's got so much drip, as the kids say. It used to be bling, now it's drip. The giant 13 <laughs> necklace. Um, he looks fantastic, and he, he plays as flashy as he is. The home runs and speed, like Harold Reynolds and I were talking about it on MLB Network. Like I still remember, you're, you're too young to remember, I was 10 when Canseco pulled off the 40-40. It was such a ridiculous achievement. You're like, man, Jose Canseco built like a Mack truck, and he's so fast. 
42 home runs, 40 steals. And then you start to see it more often. Like other guys have done it, uh, Alfonso Soriano, Alex Rodriguez. And Harold was telling me, he said, you know, Willie Mays once joked about it. He was like, it wasn't a big deal for us. Like all of us could have done 40-40, but like for me or Mickey Mantle, like we didn't care about that kind of stuff. So he's like, you know, it, it has to be notable that the first 40-40 guy wasn't until 1988. It wasn't like the other guys couldn't do it. It just wasn't a focus. Now, having said that, it's still an incredible accomplishment. And to go 40-70 is bananas. Now, again, there's always a contrarian. So there's a little bit of scuttlebutt saying, well, it's easier to steal bases now because of the rules. Pitchers can only step off once, only throw over once, et cetera. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, I, I, I could give you that. Maybe that's worth 10 stolen bases or 15 stolen bases. Okay. He's still a 40-55 guy. Like, it's still an incredible achievement. Again, never been done before. And just the way he was able to do it, you saw the emotion ripping the base out. You know, when Ricky Henderson became the all-time base dealer, same thing, ripped the base out, famously said, you know, I'm the greatest of all time. Try to take a page out of Ali's book. But Acuna's awesome, man. I think he's great for the sport. He's a terrific player. I like the fact that a little feistiness with him. I don't know if you remember when he took a shot at Freddie Freeman, who I love. Of course, yes. Both parents, Canadian, both from Ontario. And everyone loves Freddie Freeman, as do I. But I, I kind of like the fact, you know, while I was willing to play the heel, he kind of took a shot at Freddie Freeman last year. Because, hey, you know what? When I came up with the Braves, Freddie wasn't very welcoming to me. So, good riddance. And Freeman, of course, took the high road. Say, I don't really know what he's talking about. I think he's an unbelievable player. I love him. But I did a little digging. And someone said, well, Freddie Freeman kind of gave him the old, here's how we do things around here. And Ronaldo uh, <laughs> didn't care for it. Like, hey, man. Uh, that, that's your thing. Here's my thing. So I, I like the fact that Cunha's got a little edge to him. Um, he's willing to play the heel, but he's obviously a hero right now in Atlanta, and he's a tremendous player. Every single time he's on the field, he's fun because he's so athletic. And Mookie Betts made a big run. Mookie's one of my favorite players. August, he was unbelievable. But September, he slowed down a little bit, and Acuna kept on running. So Acuna's going to be the MVP. And the Braves, for good reason, are the favorite right now in the National League. That's what's going to go next. How do you feel about this Atlanta team? First one to 100 wins this season. They've locked it up in the NL. They look like a powerhouse heading into the postseason. They do. But I'm going to go again with the contrarian take. Now, I looked at their offense yesterday, and they're incredible. One through nine, every single guy hits. Like, it's unreal the fact you got Matt Olson, 53 home runs. You know, he's leading the majors. New record for the Braves. He beat Andrew Jones's record. And I believe going into last night, he was one shot of tying Eddie Matthews' most RBI club record single season. So those two guys alone, Acuna and Olsen, are awesome, as is Austin Riley. Ozzy Albies is having a 30-home run, 100-RBI season. Like, that's ridiculous. And then, you know, you go through the rest of the guys. Uh, Ozuna, obviously, Sean Murphy's really good. Michael Harris reigning rookie of the year. Orlando Arcia is their number nine hitter. He still has 17 home runs. Like, they're, they're on the verge of breaking the record set by the Twins for the most home runs in a single season. But here's my contrarian take. I'm worried about their pitching. Because Max Fried is out right now, hoping to come back to the DS. But I always think it's tricky when a guy is coming off the injured list and then his first start come playoff time. It's not like, oh, now I'm magically healed. I always feel like you need to start to get back. Further to that point, Charlie Morton's not going to be available for the NLDS. That's your game three starter. So you're telling me two of your top three starters, at least one will definitely be unavailable in Morton for the NLDS, and the other guy may not be 100%. Puts a lot of pressure on Spencer Strider. And I keep looking at what I think will be the matchup, which is Phillies, Braves, NLDS. And they just played each other. And one thing about Philly, Logan, they're not fearful of them at all. Like, they will go toe-to-toe with the Braves and say, hey, your lineup's great. Ours is pretty good, too. Like, we got Bryce Harper. We've got Kyle Schwarber. We've got Bryson Stott. We've got JT Real Muto. We've got Nick Castellano. So, you know what? Maybe we can hit a couple of deep bombs of Spencer Strider early in the game and go from there. I think the Braves' bullpen can be vulnerable as well. So, 
I know everyone's going to say Atlanta's the favorite, and they are. But I'm not as sold as others that it's going to be a cakewalk. I actually think Philly's got a really good chance of pulling off an upset because they've got their starters going in Wheeler and Nola. And if Nola goes back to being the guy he is, that's a pretty strong one-two punch along with that lineup and their offense, especially at home. Like, it's a bandbox. And in a best-of-five, again, let's suppose you jump on game one and you steal one in Atlanta. All of a sudden, they're back on their heels. And this is a really interesting wrinkle. The teams that generally get the bye need a game to get going. So you, yeah. you, you win 105 games, you're the number one seed, but then you haven't played in a week. And Philly comes in rolling, and let's say they face whomever, right? Marlins, Cubs, I mean, whatever their match is going to be. Yep. Uh, D-backs, right? They, they come in hot. They, they play, let's suppose they win two to three games. And Atlanta hasn't played for a week. And they lose that game one, puts a lot of heat on you, man, to win that game two. And you don't have Freed, you don't have Morton. And all of a sudden, game three and four are back in Philadelphia. Like, I, I honestly, maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into it, but I could definitely see the makings of an upset. But having said that, would Atlanta be favored? Of course they are. Braves, Dodgers, like Atlanta is the best team. But their pitching does concern me. What about, uh, speaking of some of those teams in the wild card race, Chicago's made a good push here. Miami's right in there. Cincinnati, who we've talked about, they've got the most come-from-behind wins this season in the major leagues. Who do you like to come out of this in the next week, Adnan, with that third and final spot in the NL? Well, I was pulling for my boy, David Ross. My brother is a Cubs fan. He lives in, just outside Milwaukee. So I texted Rossi a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, my brother's birthday. Can I get Cubs tickets? The guy's the best. He hooked me up. And I was texting with him just about the team overall because Chicago, for much of the first half, looked to be a 500, maybe sub-500 team. And I was telling anybody that would listen, they should trade Bellinger and trade Stroman. And Rossi had said to me, listen, I'm obviously the manager. I'm a little biased, but I think we're pretty good. We're better than people are realizing. And he was right. And I give the Cubs brain trust credit for not giving up on the season. And Bellinger has been a top 10 MVP candidate. Even Stroman hurt. Justin Steele's emerged as a Cy Young candidate. He's going to be top five in terms of votes. And their offense is really good. Nico Horner's an excellent second baseman. Swanson's been hurt, but he's durable. He brings leadership. you got the likes of Miles Mastroboni and others. And, and it's a fun Cub team. Having said that, this series against Atlanta was rough for them. They were up 6 nothing. And Seiya Suzuki dropped the ball in right field that he should have caught. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Allowed the Braves to tie the game and ended up winning the game. That might be the loss that ends up haunting them. Meantime, you've got Miami, who Sandy Alcantara, reigning signing award winner, hasn't pitched well this year, and now he's done for the year as of a couple weeks ago. Yuri Perez, who's been their second best starter, 20 years of age, phenom, he's done for the year. And yet, the Marlins right now are in the driver's seat. They've got the, the third spot right now based on the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Cubs, and they're about to face the Pirates. I mean, they control their destiny. If they sweep the Pirates, the Miami Marlins are going back to the playoffs. Big props to Kim Ang for getting Jake Berger and Josh Bell, both those guys, huge deadline pickups. And what would be a really good story. Again, I'm pulling for the Cubs because my buddy Rossi, but the fact they lost to Atlanta, and by the way, now they're going to face the Brewers. And Milwaukee does not want to face them because if you've ever been to a game in Milwaukee, it's all Cubs fans. It's an hour and a half away. Chicago, obviously, a huge team, huge appeal. So if Milwaukee's the three seed and the Cubs barely get in, they don't want to face them. So I think Milwaukee's got something to play for. If they put it to the Cubs, then that is going to be advantageous um, you know, for this Marlins team. D-backs right now, I think they get the second wall card. Corbin Carroll's been awesome. Speaking of cool numbers, 25 home runs, 50 stolen bases. He's going to be the rookie of the year. Ketel Marte's really good. Zach Gallon's top six or seven signing award. So I think ultimately it's going to be Philly, obviously, first wild card, then D-backs, and then I think Marlins, um, which is unfortunate for the Cubs just out. You mentioned the Reds. Would have loved it for Joey Votto. He got a huge ovation this week. The Reds fans obviously believe he's done. He does have one year left, team option, 
$20 million, or they can buy him out for $7 million. He's 40 years of age, and all likelihood they'll buy him out and he'll retire as a Red. But I don't think Joey's going to get back to the playoffs as much as we love him as a good Canadian. But, yeah, it's, it's a fun race. And the good news is it's going down the wire. I mean, this is Thursday. Sunday is the last day of the regular season, and those two spots are still up for grabs right now in the wild card. Uh, as we take a look at the AL, obviously we talked a lot of Toronto Blue Jays with you here over the weeks. And, uh, look, last week it was a good one for the Jays. They used those road series against New York and Tampa to put themselves in a really good spot down the stretch here to lock down one of these wild card spots. But still feels like last night was a quick reminder of what this Jays team struggles against, and that's really good pitching. Garrett Cole, one of the best in the league still, Adnan, and it's only going to be what you see more of in the postseason for the Jays. So, again, here we are. This team's you know likely going to make the playoffs, but everybody around in Toronto, I know you do hits with our sister stations out there as well, kind of feels like it's a, a waiting... Uh, doom almost for this chase team because yeah feels like they're going to be there but you know what you're going to see other teams top pitching and that's been a struggle for the jays all season long 100 percent. and seattle who's probably going to be the team on the outside looking in they just lost two or three against houston in a huge series at home their pitching wasn't able to silence houston's bats and their problem is quite simply they're great against teams with losing records they're bad against teams with winning records which is the same problem for the blue jays and you hit the nail on the head perfectly which is that you're going to face great pitching come playoff time. You, you can't luck your way into some offense against a middle reliever. Like, you're going to be facing every team's best guy. So if it's the Rays, which I think it's going to be, Jays Rays, you've got to beat Tyler Glass now, period. And if he shoves like Garrett Cole did, Jays are going home. And it's so frustrating because there's not one person in the world who came into this year, and when you said, what's the biggest reason Toronto's going to win, you go, oh, it's because their offense. Their offense is sick. Those guys can mash. Vlad and Bo and Springer and Chapman and Kirk and Varsho and Kiermaier. And you go, oh, yeah, their offense is great. I just know they have the pitching. And now all of a sudden, it's the other way around. Pitching's the best starting pitching in the American League. Bullpen, excellent, especially the back end. Hicks, Swanson, Romano. The problem is the offense just goes to sleep. And a game like last night, Garrett Cole went in having given up one run in 19 innings against the Blue Jays. And you say one of two things will happen. Either that trend will continue or Toronto will make adjustments and figure it out. The first thing happened. Again, he just dominated. And it's one thing to get dominated by Garrett Cole, who's about to win his first Cy Young Award. But how does Michael King dominate you? Like, yeah. that just can't happen. I mean, that, that cannot happen for a Yankees team. Credit to my boy Aaron Boone. Those guys are still fighting down the stretch. They, want, they made it clear they have to avoid their first losing season since 1992, and they will do so. The Yankees will be at least 500. It's not a couple games above, obviously, with that payroll nearly $300 million. It's still a massive disappointment of a year. But my point is, Toronto's about to go to the playoffs. Those are games they should win at home, and they beat a Yankee team with nothing to prove. That's disappointing, and it just furthers the trend of this Blue Jays team. Swept at the hands of the Rangers, 35-9, to season's over. No problem. We'll sweep the Red Sox and come roaring back to 7-2. and Now they've lost four of their last six games. So just when they get some momentum, they go back the other way. And I know an optimist would say, well, if they lose a couple more, you get the third wild card. You face the Twins rather than the Rays. That's advantageous. That's true. But I never like the idea of going into a playoff series, not playing your best baseball. And that kind of feels like that's the case right now for the Jays. Uh, just a couple more for you, pal, as we uh, wrap up our Thursday chat here. Curious, do you have any memories uh, of Brooks Robinson over your uh, baseball watching no. career? It's a little early for me, but one of the best third basemen of all time. Yeah, you know, I love watching old-school baseball videos and as a kid watching Kim Burns' you know, documentaries, all that kind of stuff. So the 64 World Series and the 1970 World Series, you know, watching the old video and reading stories, they said no one's ever played a position better than Brooks Robinson, especially come playoff time. And 
Two-time World Series champion, always linked with Frank Robinson. Uh, won an MVP in 64. But, again, you could make a case no player ever fielded his position as well as Brooks Robinson. 16 gold gloves, 18-time All-Star. And the only one with more gold gloves at their position is Greg Maddox. So if you say non-pitcher, who's the best fielder ever at their position, you could certainly make a case for Brooks Robinson. And you see some of those plays he would make go up on YouTube and go down that rabbit hole and you go, man, as good as Machado is, could he do that? As great as Nolan Arenado is, could he do that? And the answer generally is no. Brooks is one of a kind. And it was really cool having Bill Ripken on the show yesterday. Bill's a great guy, obviously former Oriole, so he knows that situation well. We talk about Mr. Oriole, and a lot of people could say his brother, Cal. And, and honestly, Bill goes, I'm telling you right now, Mr. Oriole is Brooks Robinson. Everybody knew Brooksy, and he was as nice a guy as you would meet. He said if there's a room of 10 people and he had 30 minutes, Brooks Robinson would spend three minutes with each person because he was that kind of guy. Other guys would just talk to one guy for 20 minutes. Hey, make a quick little drive through. i got to get out of here. He's like, Brooks would literally spend equal time with each person. He was an incredibly kind, generous man. It's a big loss to lose him at the age of 86, especially in a year like this. Baltimore's you know, going to win their first division title here. They did since 2014. And they're going to be a one seed, which is so cool to see right now in the American League. It would have been nice to see Brooks Robinson alive to see what they're going to do in this playoff run. But at least he was able to see their success for much of this year. It's a wonderful baseball town. He was a wonderful man and uh, certainly will be missed by all the baseball family, especially in the great city of Baltimore. Uh, Last but not least, new addition to Cinephile came out the other day this week. And uh, we're talking Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, sounds like we might be talking about an all-time De Niro performance in this one, buddy. It looks like your excitement level's up there with mine for this movie. Oh, my God. Thelma Schoonmaker, who is Martin Scorsese's legendary editor. She's won multiple Oscars. She's worked with Marty since Raging Bull in 1980. She had the quote of the week. She said, this is De Niro's best performance ever. Think of that statement Jeez. for a second. We're talking Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, Godfather Part Two. One of the all-time icons, and she's gone on. He's 83, and he's never been better. I'm like, oh my god! So I, I I'm just, I'm just tingling, quite <laughs> frankly, to go see this film. October 20th, Friday, opens in theaters everywhere. I had a friend ask me, so well, this is kind of like The Irishman, like you had to look in certain theaters. I said, no, that was that was a strange year in 2019, and obviously with the streaming service of Netflix, this is going to be everywhere. You're going to go see if you're in Singapore or Kuala Lumpur, you want to go see Killers of the Flower Moon, you can do so, and then later on, it's going to be on Apple Plus. It's being distributed theatrically by Paramount, but Three-hour and 20-minute film. It got rave reviews at the Cannes Film Festival where it premiered out of competition. They had the U.S. premiere in New York the other day. Sadly, no invite for me, but Marty was there along with the whole crew, and people loved it. So I can't wait, man. I read the book, which I encourage people to do. It's written by a guy named David Grand, who I was going to have on Cinephile, but because of the writer's strike, he said, well, I can't discuss the movie. So yeah. with the writer's strike appearing to be over, I may try to get him back on the pod just to share some stories. But it's about the, um, the murder, essentially, and the evisceration of the Osage Indians. The fact that it was discovered that they were sitting on land, which was very, very valuable, and all of a sudden their entire community was being wiped out. So it's, it's a crime saga, and also, as Chris says, he said, it's the first Western he's ever made. He loves Westerns. He grew up on John Ford movies and going to the theater, and The Searchers is a movie that really influenced Taxi Driver, the very famous Western starring John Wayne, and, of course, Taxi Driver written by Paul Schrader. So for Marty, it's something different, man. How, how great is this director? At 80 years of age, he's doing something different with a Western DiCaprio's parents must be unbelievable. The aforementioned De Niro, Jesse Plemons from Breaking Bad, Lily Gladstone plays the indigenous wife of De Niro's character. Apparently, she's unbelievable. So, I can't wait, man. We're uh, we're ticking down the days. Looking forward to it, Virk. Always appreciate the time, sir. Great stuff as always. Uh, good luck to your Eagles this weekend. We'll chat with you next week, pal.
I'm going to be in attendance, taking two of my boys. I haven't been to see an Eagles game in Philly in almost two decades. So I'll be there as we take on the Commanders. Hopefully a good report next week when we talk next. Sounds great, pal. Thank you. Easy safe travels, Adnan. Thanks, Logo. Take care. Take care. Adnan Vert joining us Thursday regular here on Sportsnet today. You know him. You love him. MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Be interesting to see how Philly is for uh, Adnan. His uh, Eagles looking to go to 4-0, taking on the Washington Commanders on Sunday. I uh, always appreciate Adnan joining us. He does so down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Back to Flames Hockey next. Training camp continued today at Winsport. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska, amongst others, as Michael Backlund was named the 21st captain in team history yesterday. And they're getting set for the Edmonton Oilers on Friday. Flames talk coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.